Well, hello. Welcome to another episode of Grieved Out. Um, today, me and Joe are going to be talking about voting systems. Um, a few of the things we're going to be covering are gerrymandering, first past the post, and we've got some other other voting systems that we're thinking of, or we've thought about. Um, so we're going to be discussing all those today, and possibly some other things. Um, where, where, where do you want to Where do you want to start, Joe? Um, I was going to say it's an exciting podcast for us because uh, it's our first virtually recorded one. It's the first one I can't touch you during it. Yeah, so uh, I'm quite glad. Been been yeah. far away as Joe from possible. Maybe maybe if we do some of the more controversial topics in in later weeks, we do them virtually so we can't beat each other up or something. Can't get um, heated. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was your question? Yeah, voting systems and yeah, electoral systems and politics and democracy more generally. What was your question? <laughs> Uh, my question was, um, where do you want to start? I think I think you've got. I think it's safe to say, definitely on this subject, you've got more more to say. I might be listening a bit more, and by by how this podcast be going, you'll probably be grilling me more on these subjects as well. But let's, uh, uh, let's slander, start. slander. Don't let me go full Johnny Depp on you and take you to court for that. <laughs> um, um, well, we could we could start on uh, first past the post. Yeah. So, well, I guess first past post is the place to start because it's what most Western, well, most globe, countries globally use in one form or another. And I guess for those that aren't aware or a little bit rusty, first past the post is basically a voting system where everyone gets one vote. You put your votes in and if you get over 50% of the votes that you're elected to office, um, and first past the post isn't like a, it sort of is a voting system in itself, but also has lots of different formats. So, for instance, we vote in constituencies in um, England or in Britain. So we have a first-past-the-post system in each little constituency. Um, in America, they use first-past-the-post to then elect their president via the Electoral College, which is something I might want to get into later. But yeah, so first-past-the-post is like a really simple system. Um, but it has lots of sort of like different forms depending on which country you're in. Um, yeah, I think that's sort of the summary of it. Um, loads of problems with it, really problematic. And it it sounds good, um, but loads of problems. Um, what's your experience? Have you ever voted? How many uh, elections have you voted in, Jacob? Um, uh, as in sort of... I don't know. How many times have you cast the vote? Have you, do you all, have you always voted when you've had opportunity to? Uh, I haven't always voted in all local elections. Um, I have... I have for all major elections. Um, I think I think it's three. I think three. Uh, it's either yeah. two or three because we had a we had, well we did have a spell where we had a couple come up, didn't we? We had the referendum as well, didn't we? Because we there was like a whole spell. We had, we had the referendum, which I voted for as well. Um, I, I think I think the first when I first started to just get a slight interest in politics, I was I just missed just yeah. missed it by a few months. Um, I think that might have been right because I, I remember because I'm obviously slightly older than you, um, big flex. Um, but I remember when I first when I was sort of getting engaged with politics as well, I voted like right after I turned 18 um, or pretty soon after. Anyway, but so those elections would have been first past the post. Um, initial thoughts on first past the post or problems that arise from it or? Um, I, I, well, I, I think start with just saying we've got democracies. Um, it's just it, it's we're we're lucky to be in a society that we have at least we have a choice to vote and 
express our opinions what what we vote for so there there's obviously far worse out there but um it it's not i i don't think it's the best um i think i think it's a lot of room for improvement um but it's it's better than nothing as well um but yeah there's obviously like i said i think we're going to discuss the flaws in in first in first past the post um and and it, but again, it's not something I've been re- I've I've been aware of for very long, and it's something. Again, I said my knowledge of it isn't actually that great, but it's it is an interesting. Oh, I think it's an interesting subject. But it's really interesting because, like, if I speak to my granny, for instance, like she, if you even bring up they should change the voting system, she says no, it's one person, one vote, and like there's kind of this sort of view that. Um, a change of a voting system is a move away from one person, one vote. But the irony of it is, and I think this is one of the big critics of First Past the Post, is that some people's votes count for more or for less. So we'll all know this. Like where we're from, well, where I'm from in South Norfolk, it's like a massive Tory majority. And where I went to university in Liverpool, it was a massive Labour majority. Like I'm talking, there should be about 77,000 people in each constituency. And the majorities in each of those were about 20,000. So like, that's never going to change. 20,000 people between first and second place is a ridiculous number. So in Liverpool under Labour and in South Norfolk under the Tories, whoever I voted for, whether it was either of those two parties or if it was a third party, they are ne- like my vote doesn't count as much. Compare that to somewhere yeah. like Sheffield Hallam, um, obviously in Sheffield, where it's really close between the Liberals and Labour. And if you vote there, or I can't remember which one it was, the smallest one in the in the UK went from con- Labour to Conservative under in the Boris Johnson election. And it's something like 125 d- people difference. And like your vote there really makes a difference about who gets into Parliament and who doesn't. Um, so yeah, I just, I, it is interesting that we've got a system where some people's votes just don't matter, either because they vote for the pe- people that are in power or they vote against them and they're never going to change it. Yeah, because I, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you remember, but on, on the last election, um, a, a, a lot of people who weren't the fans of Tories were trying to tell people to vote if you tell you to vote a certain way and depending where you lived around yeah. around the country because um like I said if you sometimes if, if if you voted if you voted Labour it wouldn't make a difference. So vote for Lib Dems or, or another would you, party. Would you, if you if you were in a position to tactically vote, let's say you supported one party and but the party that you supported had no chance of getting in in your constituency. And you could either choose the party that are currently in power or you could choose a third party that were um, not who you wanted, but they were nearer to you than the other ones. Would yeah, you... I, I, remember th- I remember actually uh, thinking about it when on the last election to see. To, I, thought, I thought about doing it, but there's a part of me that I was like, no, I want to, I want to actually vote for who I believe in and... Mm. And, and and I believe, uh, even though I know it wasn't making much of a difference, uh, I still wanted to actually vote for who the party or the the MP I was I was I believed in at the time. Mm. Uh, but I can understand why people would. Yeah, but I think, it... but I think but I think that that shows the flaw in the system. But if that's even a discussion, then that is sort of kind of what well, this you get the argument a lot. Does your vote count? Or does your vote matter? And I think if you happen to think like that, that sort of proves that it doesn't always. And you can understand why some people don't bother voting. 
Well, because one of the reasons I have a bit of an issue with the voting system is that exact reason. I don't think someone like you should be put in a position, or me or anyone, should be in a position where they have to choose, do I vote with who I really think, or do I vote tactically? It should always be advantageous to vote for what you really think. Um, because we've had, well, I think and a good example of it is if you look at the amount of parties in the UK that are left-wing compared to how many are right-wing, um, in terms of major parties, we've got the Tories on the right, and then we've got UKIP. And we've got like some Northern Irish ones in Northern Ireland. But so for instance, in Scotland, if you look, I haven't got the stats up in front of me, but if you look at the amount of people that vote for the two most popular parties, which are Labour and SNP, the irony of the whole thing is, is that they have something like two thirds of their people vote for left-wing parties or even more. And because Labour and the SNP are actually really similar politically, except on the um, issue of Scottish independence, you get this, really ironic situation where they're competing against each other and then the Tories end up taking it because they take votes away from each other. It's like this sort of, I don't know, it just doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, no, I I, I, I do agree. And it's, it's just making, sometimes it's just making people's votes sort of useless, isn't it? It's not, it's not really making the impact or expression of, of who they want in. Yeah. Um, like I said, especially if you if you're torn between you're in an area torn between two parties that are very similar, um, and it's actually harming. Where you, where you might be quite in the middle of these two parties that are similar, and people voting each way is actually going to do harm more harm to one one side, and then it's going to be empowering the total opposite of what you want coming in. Well, there was speculation in America, and I'm going to get all my dates and names wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was when um, Al Gore, I think it was when Al Gore was competing against Bush, George Bush Jr., and was when Bush first got elected president. There was a third party, and you never really get third parties in America, but a guy called Ralph Nader, and he was a, um, he was like a green environmentalist president, that's his campaign. It was really, it was pretty left-wing for them. There's lots of speculation that he was funded and supported and given airtime by supporters of Bush because they knew if he was successful, he would take away from um, uh, Al Gore, who was the Democrats' choice. So it was like this th ironic thing where the right-wing party was supporting the far left-wing party so that the middle left-wing party lost votes to them and therefore yeah. Bush ended up winning. Yeah, so I think, like I said, we're, we're saying with the issue, uh, and, uh, that, that's another issue with this, uh, first past the post is that it's it, it's getting other it's outside influences are now being brought in to change how people win and mm. that's not how that's not what you want in in democracy well, you want really. you want your vote to translate into leadership as literally as possible you want if this many people vote for this party then that's how much representation they get which is along the lines of proportional representation. And just before we sort of maybe get into some proportional representation, how many times in the UK do you think that the part, it's quiz question time, um, you think that the party with the, the party that won the most votes didn't get into power because of our constituency and because we elect MPs that then represent. But overall, if you add, put them all into one big pot, how many times in, does that in, happen? In the UK, well, how, yeah. how, out of how many, how, out of how many times are we talking about? Just to give me a. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good point. When did the UK start? Um, yeah. I think we started elections in, like, I'm talking, I'm going back to, like, 1800. So, in 200 years-ish. 200 years. But we have an election uh, every four or five years-ish. I'd say, I'd say in the UK... Uh, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have thought it'd be that much. Maybe one third of the time. A third of the time. Yeah. I think that's still quite a lot. So a third of the time would still be about at least fifteen times or so. It's only. It's only twice. Yeah. Only um, twice. It's only twice. Uh, is it? Is it then? Are you now going to tell me in America it's quite a bit more? Well, I've, I've got the stat for America. I wasn't necessarily in in America. They've been voting for president a lot less in time, but um. How many times have the president received the least? The president won received the least votes. Okay, so it's only twice, twice in the UK. I'm going to go seven. Four. So, yeah. but interestingly, two of those are in the last 20 years. And they've been doing it since the 1770s. So yeah. it's interesting that there seems to be a shift in the dynamic about Sort of, but yeah, it's this ironic situation where in both those examples, if they vote for the president and more people vote for one person, that person should get in. And because of the way their political system works is they don't. And the same in the UK, that more people voted for, and it's happened once, once for the Tories in the 1800s, where more people voted against, well, they had different names then, but voted against like the Whigs at the time, which were the right wing party, and they got in. And then it happened the other way around to Labour in the, I think it was the 60s. Um, more people voted against Labour, but Labour got in because of the way the constituencies work. Um, I know we, well, you probably, you might know a bit more about this now because you were looking at some stuff about it or you, you watched a documentary on it about the power of constituencies and then like what, what gerrymandering is. So I don't know, if, do you want to tell people what gerrymandering is for those that don't know? Yeah, what... so so my my understanding is gerrymandering is you'll have an area where people live um, and within that area you'll tend to have um, let's just stick to UK you'll have more people that vote for let's just use two parties of uh, conservatives and labour you'll you have it within those areas you'll tend to have like a more of a bunch of places where people vote for labour and and then uh, conservatives um, and what they do in in there is they'll start drawing lines on a map um this to see how many of those votes in that area count but the issue is it tends to be the party the parties in charge tend to draw those lines so they can draw those lines on the map to make areas working in benefit beneficial for, for them so they get more votes in certain areas where they need them um and because you can divide big blocks up can't you so yeah like if if you're let's say i don't know Let's say you're uh, you're the Conservatives here who don't who don't tend to get support in cities, but they get support in the areas around cities in the more rural areas. What you could do is you could draw the lines to include some of like that farmland, and then you cut into the city to cut out yeah. some, but not all of the Labour voters. And then the Labour voters get diminished within the bigger majority of Conservative voters. If you did that all the way around London, for example, you could cut out a load of basically make those votes invalid because they still lose to the to the Tory seats. Or the other the other alternative is if you think, okay, they're going to vote for Labour, let's put all of the Labour voters in one constituency so they only get one representative and not loads yeah, because you yeah. split them up. But um, and I, I was using Labour and Conservatives there. Historically, every party's done it. Um, 
sat down read yeah and, and, and that's a, that's that's the issue is um is that like i said the parties in charge can then re redraw the maps and they have they they they, <laughs> they spend quite a bit of money and quite a bit of time on figuring out how it's going to benefit them most of the time it doesn't always but it definitely helps and and again you've got to think well that that's wrong isn't it because it's not it's not a fair representation of what of what people are voting for i looked up um some ways that we can get rid of well how we could sort of stop or reduce the power of gerrymandering i'm going to give you one or two and see what and see which one you what you think would be a good uh a good way of combating it yeah so um well yeah, so I'll just give you a couple maybe. So one obsession is like have bipartisan committees, and that means that you basically the committees that draw the gerrymandering lines have to be from um, both parties or a range of parties um, yeah. across the board. And you you put them all in a room and they decide together, no matter who's in power. Um, uh, oh well, actually, this might be interesting. Slot there, can you see any issues with that from the off or strength? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the the only issues is. With that is you can always go in with the right intentions intentions of um of thinking okay we've got people from both sides so we believe they're going to be doing the best for each party but you, you know people are always people can always be twisted or their minds can be changed or they can be bribed and and, and that's that's the issue yeah uh, and also I, I i read one thing about it as well that said um issue with that is is that the people that make it are people that have been elected politicians so they've always got an incentive to redraw the ways that keep them elected like yeah. even if even if they're not changing it constantly to get other people elected they're still going to have an incentive to not change it and risk losing their seat but keep all of their voters together so they stay yeah i thought that was quite interesting um yeah, there's actually interestingly as well i saw this is I'm never going to be able to explain this on the podcast. <laughs> um, it's worth like going and having a look it up. It's called a, it's a system called the shortest split line method. And basically, it's a mathematical algorithm. When you look at an area that needs to be divided up, it basically calculates the most, not the most fair way, but like the quickest way to divide it up. And it basically says you have to cut the population in half in the shortest line, in the shortest geographical line possible. Because in gerrymandering, I'm drawing this, but no one's going to be able to see it. But in gerrymandering, if you look up constituencies or or voting states in America, they've got the stupidest wiggly lines, and they go around a city, then they jut out a massive arm to include a whole other town. If you use the shortest line method, it's like this mathematical algorithm that basically divides it all up like as evenly as possible. Um, I just thought it was quite interesting, like the idea of using, and maybe now that we have better technology. Can you, um, can you hear that? No. Oh, okay, good. What's going on outside? <laughs> yeah, someone started up the mo their motorbike and it's quite loud exhaust on it. <laughs> um, uh, sorry about that. Carry on. Um, I, well, I, I, think, just... I, I think it's, I, it's, I might be getting mistaken with one of the ones I'm looking at, but I think, it, I think it's the same as what I've done. But I think the easiest way to describe it is to say if you put a, a big square over an area and then you just, you just put evened it up exactly by the... So you had like twelve squares in that, and they were all mm. exactly the same size, yeah. all inside that square. Basically. And then you, you, there's no, there's no way you can prioritize um, one area or change, get more voters in one section. It's just total down to who lives where. 
Yeah, but it's really interesting. I think these questions politically are really interesting because the way we change the laws or the voting system is to change them through the government that was elected via that voting system. So in yeah. the same, like, obviously that would be really good, but it's so interesting. So Those things yeah, are gonna you've, got, happen. you've got to take a part. It's got to be able to realise, OK, this might actually affect us negatively, but this hopefully in the long run, this will provide people with a proper democracy of being able to vote for who, who they want rather than than they're not because again in america they've they've brought in um they've they've made is it was it is it the latest one they brought hawaii in and made a state so they could start voting and they did that because they thought it was going to be very white right wing and then it very quickly turned left wing and went against um, Eisenhower, Eisenhower did it, yeah. Yeah, went went against the Republicans. Who, it was Republicans who I think yeah. it was, was it? Yeah, and um, it went then very quickly went against them and helped started going towards the Democrats. So that and so that's 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 another thing to think about. But it's all political, isn't it? Because like um, in America, you might know the world that um, Washington D.C. isn't a state, like where the capital isn't a, isn't in a state. It's just a oh yeah, it's the um, what's it called? But yeah, it's not a state they still get a say in the presidential election but puerto rico which also isn't a state but under us control doesn't get a that doesn't get a shout of vote in the um which is mad like their law the american laws and policies affect puerto rico and they get american passports but they don't get a vote in the president in the yeah, president, presidential election which means which also means in areas like that they're not going to get as much funding or as much uh, help because then the parties realise that that's not going to keep them in power. So that's because then, yeah, when you're running a campaign, and if I'm going to run run for president or prime minister, I need to promise stuff to people so they vote for me. That's how it works. If you don't have a vote, why should I be? Why should I make policies that you like? I should be reducing tax on the rich. I should be offering tax. For, yeah, like just you know what, just any policies that people like, building roads so that people support me. Um, but interestingly, that's one of the same reasons that you know you very rarely get policies that support like asylum seekers or refugees because, as a general rule, they don't have policy. They well, they don't vote, so there's no incentive to ever create policies that they like. I just, I, I, it's just interesting how that sort of whole political system is structured that way. And and that this is the issue. This is the issue with always having parties running against each other is that they're always trying to better off for the for the vote so it's not actually a lot of the time you think it's not actually helping the country out it's just helping the party out and that that's got to at some point that's going to that's going to start affecting how how well the country grows and how much it develops well, because, it already has because you're more the, the, you're more worried about how, how you're going to get in next time Rather than let's improve, let's improve our country. Um, and I said that, well, that happens. Well, that many. sort of leads me onto a question I thought we might get onto, but we might not. I was going to ask about democracy more generally, because, like, for instance, China, what happens is they don't have um, it's not free elections. But they basically the people don't vote, but the committee or um, but the Communist Party of China choose someone to be their president effectively. For the, but they have a ten-year term. And they know they've got 10 years regardless. And then they know the person that takes over will be from the same party. And it's led to a huge amount of development and expansion because you they can plan projects 
really controversial projects and i'm not saying they're good or bad i'm what i'm saying is for instance the road building project in africa that they've got at the moment they can make a 10-year plan they can say right we'll do this and then the results aren't going to show for 10 years but that doesn't matter to them because they know they haven't got to face election whereas in democracies because you have to be re-elected every four or five years you've got to have something to show for your money so you can say i've achieved this 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 so you can be re-elected yeah and like i said how, how often does one party start a project and then another party comes in and goes, well, that's a load of rubbish and cuts, gets rid of it. Cuts that, and then you just wait, and then all that money's being wasted, all that development being wasted. Um, and so, but how do we how do how do we justify democracy in light of those sort of two arguments? Like, if we're saying that these things work better on dictatorships, why don't we just have a dictatorship? <laughs> I think, well, obviously, because the scary thing with the dictatorship is that. Or again, if you've got the wrong people in power, then the people aren't going to be looked after. They're not going to be what they're they're not their voices aren't heard. Where that is one thing about democracy, not always, but their the voices are heard more. Yeah, and have more of a chance to speak up and vote for what they want. You mean to say that we've got the right people in power in in democracies? Because <laughs> I'd say no. if you look across the last twenty, even the last ten years. There's been some really controversial figures in both the leader of the opposition and the um or like the rain rival party in both america and britain as well as the actual especially, leader. Especially, <laughs> yeah especially especially yeah i said the uk and america but then i think you've got to look at other influences like how how well is the media controlled and how powerful and who who they fund and who they want in to benefit them and that's that's also maybe that's another top topic is is media out out outlets, um, but that, that unfortunately, especially yeah, in this country in America, the they have a massive say over who we vote for um, mm. by by telling us false or wrong information. No way. Well, they reckon, don't they? They reckon the ref the uh, Brexit referendum was massively. Um, Cambridge Analytica was the company that basically. There's a really good Benedict Cumberbatch movie where he plays Dominic Cummings, who basically masterminded the whole thing. Um, and basically the whole sort of concept is that they basically track people's data and information, works out who are the type of people that are going to be susceptible to our arguments, and then let's bombard them with advertising yeah. campaigns. Really good and film, it, actually. Definitely recommend watching it if anyone hasn't. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called, though. <laughs> <laughs> Neither can I. Um, but that, But that's... that also talking about how the media have control over our vote systems because the money they put in and the power they get to read people is also we should also talk about how much money parties get from funders and yeah. how much time they have to advertise um and put posters on walls or things in your facebook feed um because it, again around the world there's different rules as in america I, I don't i don't think there's a cap is there on how much money you can spend um and there is a cap on airtime, but again it's it's not it's not very it's, it's still a lot of time but then you're also there's nothing to say that other people can't advertise you as well even if you're not paying for it whereas yeah. in i think in germany i th i think the last election, I think the, the amount of airtime on TV was like 
two hours or, or something, it was something really small anyway and there was only a handful of adverts that came out because they're in germany the rules on on spending and the actual campaign is also really short as well i think mm. it only runs it doesn't run for very long well, I, that's I one know. of the issues as well is because if you're in a democracy if you're um running to be re-elected you're in, you're in government and you're trying to get re-elected and you actually waste time trying to get re-elected and going on a campaign then is the time when you should be running the country yeah that that's i think that's a massive issue in america isn't it because they they mm. is it over how, how long how long yeah it's like it's a it's stupid over, amount six months over half a year isn't it yeah, yeah. um might even be longer but um again it's i think there should be stricter rules on that because i said that is that is something that germany seems they really have on point that it's only a, it isn't but it's, i'm going to say a month or two uh i could be yeah. totally but wrong the but that you even have even as the leader you have the power of the state to use to help your campaign i know yeah i'm watching house of cards at the moment but like the president isn't meant to use any like presidential stuff to help his campaign that has to come out of like the party's fund the little things like he's got air force one in the episode I just watched he basically had someone that he needed to help win the election he needed their help to win the election so we had him on air force one and the, technically they're not allowed to campaign but there's nothing to say that you can't have him on there as a guest yeah so and then when he's on there his advisor tells him oh no you're not allowed to campaign because he starts talking to him about policy and he's like no i'm not talking about the campaign i'm talking about policy because i'm the president and i need to improve the economy so i'm talking to this guy about the economy it's like this really interesting like i get like how do you how do you even begin to regulate that yeah, and I, I said, like I said, I, I think if you shorten, shorten the period of time, you can try and promote yourself. Will definitely help. I, I think there's always there's always going to be ways around it, and there's always going to be mm. people trying to push the rules, break not so much break the rules, but there's always going to be people trying to make their party sound the better and try and make you think about it for longer, but. I think definitely having stricter rules would benefit would benefit the people. I agree. Um, just really quickly, because we haven't explicitly mentioned it, can we just talk about proportional representation as a voting system? Um, yeah. And the, so, like most people probably know, but there's lots of different proportional representation systems. But basically, a bunch of people, whether it's a country or constituency, cast a vote, and then you get one or you in some of them you get one vote and some of them you get like three or four votes and you can order the candidates in your favorite um but the idea is that in a proportional system that if 40 percent of the country vote if 40 percent of the area votes for the blue party then they get 40 percent of the representatives and if 30 percent vote for the red party then they get 30 percent then if 10 percent of the other party and the, uh, of the, like the yellow or the green party or whatever get then they get 10 percent representation and it's to try and combat situations we've had in the UK it'd be interesting to see what you think about this where for instance I remember just in the before we had the Brexit referendum UKIP got something like 15% of the vote but they didn't get a single seat and 15% of the country wanted UKIP representation and didn't get them it happened to the Green Party year on year they get somewhere between just on, they get somewhere between 6 and 10% every election and they get one seat which is something like 0.5 of the percent of the seats so you get this stupid disparity between the amount of people that want them and the amount of representation they end up getting and proportional representation would combat that somewhat that's another way to show that your voice isn't being isn't being heard yeah and i i guess that is the problem with first past the post generally that like we we're saying at the beginning that 
some voices are heard more than others because if you're on one of those marginal seats you get a real say on it um but like for instance if i if if i wanted to vote for um the red party and i was in a massive blue party area then i can vote red knowing that my vote is going towards one of their seats as opposed to me being like great well now i'm stuck and it also means you wouldn't have to vote tactically like we we're talking earlier either because you might say oh, i'll vote for the yellow party so the blue party doesn't get in actually i want the red party so you can just vote for the red party knowing that you you contribute to their number of seats um we did have a referendum in the uk a few years well 10 years ago or so on having a new system um called av which is alternative vote when nick clegg was um deputy prime minister but it failed dramatically well and um, what was and how would that work i can't did i write down av ones oh yeah um so av the voter ranks candidates one two and three or however many you want um and you keep eliminating so what yeah you basically i don't know why i'm just reading off my notes rather than just explaining you basically let's say you've got five candidates in each area you vote them from your first second and third favorite and they count all the votes and whoever was the loser out of the candidates gets eliminated and all of their votes get redistributed to those people's second choice um oh yeah i've got they, i've got i've got this written down as something called site it's like um, different but yeah no yeah but the issue with it is because lots of the other ones like there's one called stv that is a similar system and yeah single transferable vote is a singular similar system but has some different differences the issue with bav probably the worst one and that's why they knew it they put it to a referendum it got rejected is that it's still susceptible to gerrymandering um it's still because you still want to group people together to get big blocks of votes at one at one time um and apparently and i need to I, it was ages ago i looked at this what tends to happen is it tends to promote a two-party system um because people might support a small party in an attempt to then their second choice is always going to be a big party to and that's what always ends up happening and then the final issue with it as well is that it never guarantees a winner by more than 50 percent because what can happen is by the time the votes all shared out um you can have someone that actually received like 45 percent of the vote but still got, still got still got a load um i think you, you also you also you also mentioned um uh, STV in a single uh, yeah. transferable boat. Um, I found that one quite interesting. Do you want to mm. talk more about that one? Yeah, I'm now reminding myself, scrolling through my notes, like looking at it. But um... I, I, I can describe. And so, let's just say you had four candidates on a page. Um, one, say one, two, three, four. You'd then write down. Um, if I'm getting this wrong, do do tell me, Joe. No, no, no. You are. You got it right. <laughs> you got the right one. Uh, and and uh, on on those candidates, you write down who your favourite is, who your second favourite is, who your third favourite, and in, in your fourth is. Um, and then the, the and then once everyone's voted, the 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 person with the lowest votes is eliminated. Eliminated, um, and then your second vote is then repicked and goes to um, the other candidate you chose. Um, and then it's worked out that way to see who has the most votes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess the only things that I, I'd add to that um, with the STV is that there's two, you're 100% right with it, and you get all the benefits we were discussing. You challenged lots of the problems with first past the post because 
you don't have to be tactical. You don't have to vote for one party just to stop someone. You can vote for your favourite and then be like, right, if they don't win, then I can stop them getting in. Um, also stops what I was describing earlier, which is called the spoiler effect, where you get like third parties, like um, you get a left-wing party, pop, like Ralph Nader in America I was talking about. Um, yeah. You, you've basically, because you can vote for the smaller left-wing party if you want, and then you can vote for the major left-wing party. And then that way you're still guaranteed to get, well, you, you have more chance of getting left-wing party rather than thinking, oh, I've got a vote centre. Yeah, exactly. So like I said, if you're torn between two parties or even have a party that you really like and there's another party that you're like, oh, yeah, I've got, they've got a few good points, got a few things I'm not too sure about, but overall I wouldn't mind them being in in, in power. You, that's a, your, your second choice to put in it. And then you've got your other options you, you want to line up. Um, and um, I, the only thing is I didn't get to look at a chance to see what any issues were with this. I don't know if you'd <laughs> Well, issues. yeah, I, I've written, I've got cons for all of them apart from this one. I really like this one, and maybe that's my own bias coming through. Um, I guess the, 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 the little the little research I did, which is very little, um, <laughs> it was when I was going through was this is this is one that uh, people seem to think is is should be you know, or is probably the best option we have. I think um, there's lots of consensus. People that know about it tend to say single transferable vote. Um, the only things I was going to add to your sort of explanation of it as well is that it, that we should know about it. The first thing for STV to work is that you actually make constituencies bigger, so you merge constituencies together. Um, and then what happens is you have more than one candidate for each constituency, so you can get that proportional. Um, so you also get that, a proportional approach. With that as well, that also gives the option of more people having more voice because if you've got two different constituencies, constituencies <laughs> constituencies in 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 uh in one place and you want to hear from both sides you've then got them both there to to sort of to try and promote your point or or what you want to to happen so and it, it tackles that gerrymandering what, issue as well yeah it does yeah because what happens is is that even if even if you're put into a constituency where the party you want to vote for let's say the yellow party only has 10% of the people, you know, you'll get 10% of the representation. Um, or, and the reason it works like that, and this is the second, the second way it sort of works, because like I said, the second thing I wanted to add, sorry, was that obviously you make the, the constituencies bigger, you have more representatives. And the way it works, and I don't understand the mass fully on this, is that they don't just keep going until they get the amount of representatives that they want. Um, what happens is, is they say, right, there's 100,000 people and we're going to have uh, this, we, we, oh, you decide how many candidates you're going to have. So we're going to have 10 candidates, which means you need 10,000 votes to become a candidate. And then what happens is, is that they just keep going. And as soon as you win, as soon as you get 10,000, you're, you're taken out of the race and, you're, and the remaining votes are redistributed. And the other really exciting sort of feature of that is, is that imagine you're voting in, because we've spoken a lot about what happens if you're in a minority of people and then you don't get represented. What happens if you're in the majority and even if you the party you vote for because there's ton in the current system if there's millions of people voting for one party they're going to get just as many votes as uh, represent uh, like representatives yeah. as if they got 51 percent compared to like 90 percent so what happens is in stv it's like well you've got enough to be elected you get elected then everyone else's votes can be redistributed and um, to their second choice which i think is quite good as well but i guess the problems there are problems with that as well about making constituencies larger, having lots of representatives just for one constituency. Um, some people like that 
face to like you've got an MP for your area and they fight your case for that area. Um, and maybe there's something in that. Yeah, no, I I I do like the sound of it. Um, I've got I've just got a couple of quick questions for you. Not just not not oh. on not on SDV. Um, should you, if you can vote, should you vote? Oh, great question. Um, I don't think you have a moral obligation. No, um, not, I don't think you have a moral obligation. Um, you're born into a country without your choice and will. You have no choice but to be part of that country. You're a citizen by force, effectively. You never have an option to leave unless you want to go to another country. You can't be free of the nation state <laughs> in our current world. So no, I don't think I, you should have to participate in if you don't want to. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the only thing that I, I feel like if, if you're unsure and you, you you have no idea what you're voting for, who you vote for, then, then don't vote. But the only thing that does, does annoy me is when people say my vote doesn't count and that's when you're like no please just go out and vote and you, you will yeah. not all the time we, we, we discuss why sometimes it won't make a difference but if if you if if you're not if you're not voting because you believe that then you definitely can have no effect whereas you might if you, you if you think all that if you add up all those people who say that it's going to be a huge number um, and even it's if it's just a stat it. on a page, like yeah. some people might say, "Oh, I don't bother voting green because I know they're not very popular, so they're never going to have a chance." But if everyone that said that voted green over the years, would that like increase and, their? And 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 in and if more people started again, say more people who didn't vote for green, believe, and then sorry, they don't vote for green because that's what they believe. They don't believe that them voting is going to get them anywhere. Mm. They, if they they kept voting green and they won't get anywhere, maybe that's we, we'll get to that point where more people go. Oh, actually, we need to change our system. Our system's broken yeah. because look, this, this green party keep getting all these votes, but they're not getting in power. We need to do something so they've got more of a voice. Um, I, I think I, that I makes, it, makes them more aware. When I say you did, I guess I, I came at it from a slightly different angle. That when I said that you don't need have a moral obligation to vote, I guess I was more coming down the lines of like quite an anti-establishment if you don't agree with like the government as a whole or like the whole political setup then you don't have to engage with it but if you do feel if you are somewhat interested or engaged but feel like you're voiceless i would still say use what tiny voice you have even if you're just a single stat yeah um, i agree i would still say what's, go i'd always encourage young people to go vote and i would and what, i'll always vote what's your opinion on countries such as australia who will fine you if you don't vote uh because even, that... even in australia all they say you have to do is turn up to the parliament station even if you just put a big x across the whole bit of paper or you deface it or whatever but if you don't turn up and vote you get charged yeah um my instinct is to say that i disagree with it i'm quite libertarian in that way i guess that as a general rule i don't think things should be mandated unless they really benefit society. Um, I guess, and I, there is... I, I, can, I can see why they're trying to do it because they want to encourage people to vote, but yeah. I think it also brings that negative side, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that was a, another another good podcast. I think. Yeah. Um, you anything else to add to that? Uh, can I ask one last question to you. Is it? Are you going to absolutely grill me? No, 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 it's one last question. It's a, it's a it, up in the air it, question. You, it, 
Either way, yes. <laughs> I'm not bowling a fast one at you. It's a, <laughs> you made a cricket reference. You don't know anything about cricket. Um, <laughs> uh, so I sort of spoke quite a bit in this podcast about dictatorships and like the sort of the strengths of dictatorships. And I guess one reason we have voting systems, like you said, is because we want to keep a democracy and we want to keep things open. And the idea is it's power to the people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask to you, is there any limits on that? So what I mean by that is that we have part of our constitution in the UK, we have something called parliamentary supremacy. And that basically means that parliament is like the most supreme legal authority in the country. and Nothing can overrule it. Um, that's always been contentious with the EU and whatnot, but that's sort of a different debate. There's always been a hypothetical question raised is that what happens or a writer wrote and this was a few years ago if parliament made a law that said all blue-eyed babies were going to be killed taken away and killed and parliament voted it through and they were democratically elected should that law become law and should it be enacted and i guess my question to you is if something is completely democratically decided are there any limits to it are there any limits to democracy if democracy chooses to do something? Um, again, I think that's where you, you start to show that whether people don't have so much of a voice or power. But then you've seen, not not in as strict or thorough ways as that, but when things have been introduced and people totally disagree about it, they go and sort of rebel against it. They, they, they go on strike. They... I think that's okay though like if, it, if the because I, I guess yeah, i'm just I, what i'm interested like is rebelling and striking against let's just say we had a hundred percent clean democracy we knew it was democratic um and a law got passed that people disagreed with i understand striking against a dictatorship or rebelling against a dictatorship but how do you feel about people rebelling against something that's democratically mandated um I think people always have the right to express their their views, um, mm. and that's a, that's a difficult one because I don't. Like I said I, I, what you're saying I don't agree with, but maybe if you twisted it and said, or say if they they put through a bill to say, like just we totally had to stop fossil fuels and that's going to make us all really poor, really going to struggle, but that's then the next 20, 30 years, we could then start thriving again. And we're also going to have to have a plant to live on. But I'd imagine if, if we did that, so many people would rebel against it. But yeah, I, that's a good point. It, it, and, then, and this is it's I, one of those I, where I don't, I don't really, I don't really sort of split. I don't, I don't agree. agree. With <laughs> it's really hard. It's because it's, it, it's interesting that we're so, in normal conversations about politics, we're so, not us, well, us, but also everyone else, we're always pro-democracy, democracy's better dictatorship, and I fully agree with that. It's interesting that at what point, is there a point where democracy can has the power to do things that we fully disagree with to the point, and is it justifiable to rebel against a democratically justified decision? And if it is, then that creates I, a... I, I, think, I think it's always your right to rebel against against things but is that anti-democratic i guess is the question because then what happens if the government just implemented it increase they increase national insurance by five percent should i just be allowed to ignore that rule because i disagree with it isn't that counter that's again you'd struggle to actually go against it and not not do it but you, you you're in the full right to express your opinion and 
try to get it changed. Um, uh, it's the same. It's the same when the government said, "When we're not going to over COVID, we're not going to help. We're not going to feed starving children." And then Marcus Rashford and a huge majority of people got behind him, and they made they made the Conservatives change their opinion by by what the people were saying. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously that's a good thing. Um... Yes, and again, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up here. But it's interesting because that's almost like you were saying about the press has the power to influence politics and policy. And it's almost like we're for it when it's people power and Marcus Rashford changing things that we agree about. But then at what point does that become lobbyists or companies with millions of pounds or newspapers that then start influencing politics and getting them to change their mind on things? And I think there's so many grey areas when it comes to... There, there are, and it's, it's very thin lines between... Between what's right and wrong between those as well, um, exactly. and, and also sometimes you can you you can especially in democracy you can start putting things into place that you think are going to help and be beneficial, but then if the wrong person gets in there and can then twist that power for their for their their sakes and to help their friends out or their party out, um, it's it's very it's very thin thin line. Um, well, maybe. Anyone that listens to this could let us know, um, I guess, on the simple, well, I say simple question. I was going to try and boil it down to a question that is it ever like morally justified um, to oppose a democratically decided upon law? So if a law is democratically decided upon and you choose to oppose it, are you opposing effectively democracy? And is that justified? No, people could let us know. Might target the, yeah. the responses a bit because we get all manner of stuff and it, yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Any more from you, Mr. Brown? No, I, I, I to very last question. I could, I've just thought of a load more, um, load more, load more examples. But I think we'd be here for another hour or two. Well, so you know what? Scri- scribble them down because at some point we're going to have some bonus content that from the bits that have been edited out, and um, maybe we can have another discussion another time. Yeah, it'd be good to. Uh, well, yeah, I said when we, um, when we do another couple episodes, and then we go back to our. Uh, listeners' questions. We can then talk okay. about this a bit more. So that'd be good, wouldn't it? Great. Right. right. Um, well, until next week, Mr. Brown. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers.